Digital Marketing Radio episode 104. Why do so many people fail with PPC? DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain, this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with digital marketing experts. Find out about everything we do at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by Charles Valor. Charles, welcome to DMR. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, thank you very much. Um, I suppose I'll tell everyone a little secret. This is take two, isn't it? Definitely. We had a little incident, but we're all good. We've recovered. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I might um, tell people a little bit more about that later on. But um, first of all, we'll fire on a little bit more just about Charles. And Charles is actually the founder of PPC Empire. Um, So he focuses just on pay-per-click, not SEO, not um, anything else to do with digital marketing. He's got a real focus going on there. So um, why just uh, PPC, Charles? Well, look, it wasn't through lack of trying other things. Certainly in the early days, I was, you know, playing with websites, having a look at SEO and social media. Um, but a good mentor at the time kind of uh, mentioned to me and he kind of made this analogy of doctors. And it's like when you look at doctors, you have general practitioners and you have surgeons. And he kindly pointed out to me that, you know, the surgeons are the ones with the Mercedes and play on the golf course and have the beautiful homes and everything. Why the general practitioners, why they might be very, very skilled in a lot of things, they don't see the income or level of respect. And I think the same is very true in um, digital marketing. When people have a specific problem, they want to see a specialist, not a general practitioner. And that's where it all kind of comes from. Okay, so um, I, I, I can understand that, and that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, I remember getting started you know, more than 10 years ago or so in digital marketing, and uh, perhaps um, digital marketing was the specialist one subject then, but obviously now it's segmented into so many different areas, and um, it's quite right to specialise, and you, you can't do absolutely everything. Um, but what was it actually about pay-per-click that you made you choose it over something like SEO? Yeah, great, great question. Um I suppose to digress on your point even further, that's very, very true. Like in today's, you know, how evolved digital marketing has become, you know, one area is an area of specialty like PPC. And you can honestly spend all your time just learning about that. So why I chose it, um, I would have to say it was probably a bit of natural tendency. This is where I was getting the best results with the least amount of effort. It just felt right for me. Mm. I felt like I was kind of fighting a bit of an uphill battle, trying to learn code or trying to do other things like that where this just seemed to come naturally. I understood um, the networks very quickly and saw results fairly in a short amount of time over other things. So it just became kind of natural to want to learn more. And you always enjoy the things you do well. Like if you're a, a golfer, I don't know if you play golf, but okay. if you're a terrible Badly. golfer, it's the it's the worst sport in the world because <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating and you're watching everyone just you know get their wins around you. Where if you're a really good golfer, then it's, I imagine it's quite fun. I wouldn't know personally, but do you play golf badly as well then? Absolutely. I, <laughs> I don't think anyone good. I think probably TV is probably staged. It's a <laughs> bit like the WWE wrestling, you know, they make it all for sure. But um, no, they're very talented athletes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it's an ever expanding thing. Like we've just recently seen that, you know, Twitter ads are starting to take shape and then even pinterest has recently released and we expect you know a lot of other networks like instagram will continue to follow but the ones i tend to spend most of my time on and where i you know focus my energy is google adwords definitely a big core facebook ads and then now youtube ads youtube has been one of the areas that's really opening up for us in 2015 
Okay, YouTube. So um, it it seems that there are different types of ads on YouTube. You've got you've got text ads at the uh, at the bottom. You you've got I think pre roll and mid roll as well. Is there any particular type of YouTube advert that does particularly well at the moment? So the one I like the most is the pre roll ad. These are those little. Uh, you probably everyone's had the annoying moment, mm -hmm. the five second clip before the video starts. Mm -hmm. um, as much as they are very annoying to the user, I imagine that they're certainly the most targeted traffic for that area. And you get the most attention because it's a guaranteed interaction over the other ones. Mid-roll, not too bad either, but certainly the start, the pre-roll, most effective. Okay. And um, what about if a user does click on that button? Do you end up paying for the advert? So this is probably the uh, most interesting thing about kind of YouTube at the moment. I'll do a bit of a comparison quickly because this will explain it. So if you do a video ad on Facebook, if anyone, um, if you scroll through your newsfeed and that um, ad starts, you'll be charged. So that counts as a view as long as the video starts. Where with YouTube, and this is the particularly cool thing, um, if someone clicks skip straight away or before that, you know, first initial um, start of the video, then you're not charged and it's not counted as a view. Someone actually has to engage and kind of opt in to see more of the video before that's counted as anything. Mm. And some, something really interesting at the moment is if someone clicks on the video, so actually, you know, clicks and goes through to your website or wherever you're taking someone before the 20 second mark, then that clicks actually free. So it's this nice little, um, I don't know how much it last long it'll last. And certainly we're taking advantage of it now, but that's the nice little bonus you get with YouTube at the moment. So because you're not paying anything unless people watch uh, a, a, a decent bit of your video, does that mean that um, it's more expensive to advertise on YouTube than other video networks? Surprisingly not, because, I mean, YouTube is the second biggest search platform on the net, you know, on, like on the internet. So, you know, Google's number one and then YouTube's number two. But due to the sheer volume, they've got so many placements they need to fill. So it's a bit of a supply and demand type of situation where at the moment, um, demand far outweighs supply. So, you know, advertisements are actually very, very cheap compared to a lot of the other networks. We're certainly seeing like the rising cost in Facebook and Google AdWords because they are more well-known. Mm. And one of the big barriers with YouTube ads is obviously making a video. So it's quite easy to write a text ad. You can do that with a keyboard. If you've got someone that's good at Photoshop, a banner even, but when you've got to make a video and do a script, there's kind of a bit more of a barrier to entry, which is I think why there's so much reward available there if someone's going to put in the effort. So what's a reasonable cost per view to actually be paying at the moment for pre-rolls? So I kind of look at it as a different way because um, I'll go cost per click because I'm always interested in what it costs me to get someone to somewhere over just a view. Okay. Um, so as a cost per click comparison, like it would be you know fairly common to see clicks under $2 and even under a dollar in some of the more, I suppose, nicer niches. Mm. So if you're in travel or fitness, something that's quite popular, it would be fairly common to get clicks for under a dollar. Um, if you're in more of a B2B space, something that's a little bit more less sexy, we'll call it, um, then we'd be hearing near that $2 mark. But compared to what you probably see elsewhere, that's an absolute bargain. In some of the places on AdWords for those clicks, you might pay 30 or $40 for a click. So how highly targeted can you be when you're actually placing those kind of adverts? Can you, can you be very definitive, definitive down to vertical and country and possibly even demograph, demographic? Or is it, is, it, is it a general ad that goes out to quite a few different um, market segments? So the best part and the way I use it and the way I would recommend everyone use it is to um, 
get a virtual assistant or do this yourself, but you can actually choose the videos you want to run on. So there's a kicker there. They have to have the adverts enabled. Right. What I kind of um, recommend is like, you know, spend a couple of hours or get your assistant or virtual assistant to spend a couple of hours finding the videos you think are most relevant or people that are interested in your market might watch. So this might be your competitors. It might be celebrities in your industry, things like that. And the individual videos, like it's, it's going to be the most targeted traffic. And by as much as it's a pain, we're not just picking a topic or a, an interest the results seem to be far better because you know exactly what you're getting before of the frame of mind of someone. I'll use an example here. If, if you just picked a fitness niche and you uh, send that out broadly, you could get anything from someone who wants to lose weight or a bodybuilder or a whole range of different types of fitness. But if you had a specific product for CrossFit, then making sure your ad is just before the CrossFit videos and even the more popular ones, you're framing that in much a better way. Right. Okay. Great tips there. And um, what about a business just getting started in pay-per-click? They're they're not doing any at the moment. Perhaps they did a little in the past, but um, maybe they didn't have a great experience with it. Where's the best place to actually get started with it? Is it still Google AdWords or would you recommend somewhere else now? Interesting question. I actually got asked this the other day and like it's I actually, because I learned AdWords quite a time ago, all the updates and things they're rolling out now feel like add-ons to me because I have a really strong core of the fundamentals. But for someone today, I'm you know, looking at it from their perspective. Um, AdWords is complex. It really is. Mm. It's really full on. So for someone learning it today, it's certainly a bigger hurdle than it was at my time. Um, what I would probably be saying is I'll be looking at competitor research. So I'll be saying, you know, what niche am I in? I'd be looking at what other people are doing in that niche. So if everyone in your industry like fitness is on Facebook, then it'd be safe to say, you know, Facebook potentially is a really good network. And then I would just learn one network and get really good at it. Because kind of, if you're just okay at the traffic networks, you, you're only going to kind of see the media core results. But if you get very, very good at getting your ads dialed in, there's kind of like, there's a tipping point of when things get really, really easy for you and where you're going to see the most profit. Okay, and one of the things that seems particularly hot at the moment is retargeting, and um, retargeting through Facebook um, is talked about a lot at the moment as well. Um, is that one of the areas that um, is good to get started in, or is that something that you should only be doing after you've had a bit of experience with pay-per-click advertising? Yeah, so look, re remarketing is probably, or retargeting, whichever you want to call it, is, is probably one of my areas of specialty, because um, it is some of the highest converting and most profitable traffic on the internet. Um, it is a little bit advanced, I will say that. But the, the problem with starting with something like remarketing is you've got to have traffic in the beginning. Hmm. So if you no one's visiting your site, then you can't remarket to them. So just being a specialist in remarketing without any front-end traffic could potentially be quite hard. Um, if you've already got traffic, so if you're someone that's like doing SEO or doing a podcast like this and you're you know, getting a lot of organic traffic, then remarketing could be something that's very useful for you. But I kind of say to anyone that's, you know, wanting to start today or is at that beginnings, like do the grunt work, put in the, the six to 12 months of learning it and going through that whole process because we kind of find that the skills you're going to learn or what you'll pick up is going to serve you very well elsewhere. And the way you think about, you know, how you're running your website and everything like that will change. Okay. Now, I'm sure you've um, picked up 
a few pay-per-click campaigns that other companies or um, perhaps campaigns that have been run internally by companies um, terribly in the past. Um, oh, absolutely. So what, what are the few of the biggest fails that you've seen that um, you've just scratched your head and you just can't believe that the company's done that? Yeah, look, I've certainly seen a few. Um, I'd have to say from the AdWords side of thing, there's something known as a broad match. So this is where essentially you put in a keyword and you let Google decide everything they think is pretty much relevant to it. So if you're putting in a broad match keyword, and I'll give you the example here of like um, salsa. So, you know, salsa could be a chip, you know, salsa mm. chips or a, a dip, or it could be a dance. So if we just put in the word salsa on a broad match, it's going to pick up all that random traffic as well as the traffic we want. So there's a whole heap of these. If we just run an AdWords account on Broadmatch, that's where we hear, you know, that I melted a credit card and those really bad experiences are, are tended to be linked back to that type of situation. Okay. And what about um, campaigns that Google set up themselves? Because I hear quite a few stories from independent businesses getting set up for the first time that um, Google are quite happy to help them get the campaign set up. Um, to me, that sounds like a little bit of a, a red flag and perhaps letting the, the, the wolf into the sheep pen. And um, perhaps Google aren't necessarily motivated to set up the most efficient campaign or are my concerns completely unfounded there? And, and have you seen them do quite a good job in actually setting up campaigns themselves. So so the interesting thing is like I have a, a Google rep, um, Matt, which you've, you've seen this, you're a good bloke. Um, and I've spoken to him as well. And like, he's really great from a support, support point of view, but I've much seen these Google or notorious Google builders myself. And it's certainly not within the best practices that, you know, me and a lot of other agencies are doing these days. I think there's a massive conflict of interest, which is why I, I don't like it in the beginning. Mm. Um, but also we're kind of finding that, you know, these guys that are coming in and working for free on behalf of Google, it's like they're not doing the best job because they're not really tied to the customer. They're tied to Google. So as long as the accounts, you know, within standards, they're probably happy to see it go. But when you're working for something and that, you know, them getting paid depends on doing well um, is a very, very different situation. Right. Okay. And in terms of search engines um, in Australia, I mean, I, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was there and um, I remember about 94% of search traffic at the time was through Google. Is that still the case? And um, if that's the case, is it worthwhile focusing on any other search engine at all from a pay-per-click ad perspective? Yeah, look, great question as well. So um, it's about 92% now. Okay. So it's lost a little bit of ground, but still ridiculously swayed in the way of Google. Um, Google just seemed to be at such of the forefront um, especially in Australia, of what they offer, that it's always our first point of call. But I'll put a little kind of disclaimer in this one. If we find that a company is particularly profitable for one keyword and pretty much that alone, um, then we do try and go to the other networks like Yahoo and Bing, so those search networks that are very similar to Google, and we'll just hit for that one keyword, try and pick up more of the market there. Mm. But even in those situations where, you know, we are trying to buy out those keywords, there's certainly a difference in that traffic. The fact is, you know, Google traffic behaves better and converts more. 
So what about for the it- for, for the um, future? Um, can you see Google's share of the market being slowly eroded over time and um, uh, it's it's more worthwhile in the future to be continually looking at other opportunities out there? Or do you think um, Google are going to continue to be the controlling beast out there? I just think they've probably cemented in too well. Like the features that are available on the Google network, what they do for their advertisers, how good it is for the user until someone offers a better experience or something different, it just feels like they're always a step behind. Mm. So it feels like, you know, Bing are always just trying to copy the last Google feature. And even on the advertising platform, they're just trying to copy Google until one of these networks offers something unique to the user, not the advertiser, but the person using it. So they're getting more searches and they're more involved. I can't see that really changing. I mean, I know um, on a lot of new computers, um, like new Microsoft products particularly, Bing is the default search engine. Hmm. But even with that, we're seeing majority of people switching over to a Chrome browser and using Google search. So they've certainly got, you know, prime position. I can't see that changing anytime soon. Okay, okay. And I know a lot of businesses that... um want to start off bringing traffic to their site um, are maybe concerned starting with pay-per-click because they don't know um, how many people are going to convert on their site and ideally in their frame of mind they'd actually like to start off by paying a CPA uh, based on maybe some kind of conversion on their site, some kind of sale. Um, So they're just paying a percentage of that sale. Um, Can you see cost per acquisition at marketing becoming more popular in the future or do you think really pay-per-click is is here to stay as the most dominant force in paid advertising yeah look this is a another great question because i see both sides of this from um from a business point of view and being you know a business owner i would love it if i could you know buy in a cpa way mm. so you know eliminating that risk and you're only paying per conversion the the challenge i see with that and probably why things won't stage is For someone like me to work with a business owner, that means I'm then taking on all your risk. So if your funnels don't convert or your product's terrible or you can't sell, so if we were working to a a funnel where it required a phone sale, um, then I'm alleviating all that risk on you. Now, the the challenge with that is uh, particularly with a startup when they don't know their business model or they may be still working out how they make revenue or how they're testing a funnel, um, it's a, it's a very dangerous kind of area for everyone. And like I've seen marketers get burned. I've seen small business owners get burned. Um, so keeping it to a management or cost per click kind of keeps everyone in the same ring, which is, you know, not ideal. But saying that we actually have started to offer the contingency deals and things like that or CPA deals to if it's been in the right situation and if we like the business model. There's so much happening, you know, but um, it, I guess it all comes down to ensuring that um, your website is performing really well. You're delivering a great experience for users, a strong call to action. And if your conversion rates are good, then whatever ever marketing activity paid or organic you're focusing on, it's going to have a better ROI for your business. Yeah, and I think like the marketers as well, I think there's a lot of them out there probably not doing this, but a big part of what we do is like we won't, we never quote a job without going through it. And we don't have a price list because I don't think it works. Everyone's different. So what we tend to do, and I would love it if everyone did this, is I call it the kind of the economics check. So we know how much traffic costs. We can look it up and see how much a click costs or get an estimate. Um, so going through from that, you know, if we bought 100 clicks and we got two or three conversions, would it be profitable for the client? Like you've really got to ask that question before you start. 
you would you wouldn't want to just sign up for traffic, start going in there with no idea if it even had a chance at being profitable. So you really kind of have to do that, you know, the idiot test I call it, you know, making sure that we're not going into a situation where we can't win. Like it has to be profitable for the client, it has to be profitable for us. Otherwise it's not worth doing. Both parties have to win. That's 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 great thinking there, you know, it's it's good for you for your long term as well, because your clients will stay with you for longer as well. Because um the last thing you want is for your clients to go out of business and you continually having to find new people to actually um fill your coffers. Now, as much as this sounds incredibly generous of me, it's actually for us as well. So there's all you know, every it's in it for themselves always. Um, but by doing this time of check, I mean, first off, you know, we do give the business owners great advice. And if something is not economical, we don't take it on. But it just saves us so much time because we're not getting those bad clients. We're addressing anything that potentially was never going to work before it happens. So it's actually helped us be a lot more successful with having better quality of client, make they stay longer because we're getting the results and they're the right type of client for us. Very sensible. But um, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been in general and um, where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Oh, interesting. So the one piece of software that, um, although it's not specifically for marketing, it certainly runs my business is Podio. Um, Podio is a fantastic kind of project management software that um, really couldn't go without. It is the glue that holds the team together. From a marketing perspective, I'm still, I would have to say, addicted to probably um, SEM Rush mm. and Optimizer, which is an AdWords tool. Very, very useful tools. And a slightly more challenging question. Uh, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? Yeah, so there's um, there's a piece of software out by a guy named Nathan Hugh, um, which I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's doing some very um, interesting things with YouTube and um, really eager to dig in what he's doing with finding placements and finding videos placements for us. Okay, so do, uh, do you know what that uh, piece of software is called at all? It's actually evaded the top of my head. I will look it up after and send you a link. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. If you could do that, Sam, I will include a link to that and the other pieces of software that you've mentioned in the in the show notes on digitalmarketingradio.com. I wish I would have. But uh, moving on to, I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, great question. Look, certainly in pay-per-click, there's a lot to be said about experience. Um, going back, it's, you know, do I wish I had more tactics or skills or things like that in my playbook? But I suppose having an under- more of an understanding of, you know, in versus out, and that's that's the end goal for everyone. Like you have to be all about how much am I spending versus how much am I taking out? So addressing kind of how we were working on in that way rather than being concerned about click-through rates or clicks or what price we were paying for traffic certainly would have made a difference. Right, okay. Um, because it, it can be easy, I guess, to be concerned that you may be paying $10, $12 per click. But if it's bringing in ROI at the end of the day, then you'll keep on happily paying that amount because if you're so confident that it's going to bring you in double the amount, then it's not a problem. Well, that's exactly it. We were focusing on avoiding expensive keywords when in hindsight, you know, the expensive keywords were our, are where all the um, exciting bits are. So, you know, expensive keywords means that people are bidding on them, which is they're more in demand, which it's likely they're profitable. 
that's a good tip there. So don't don't shy away from the expensive um, because it um, could be uh, because they're ex- expensive because they're very much more likely to um, bring you that return in investment. Yeah, you should be scared if you see really really cheap keywords. If you see a keyword that no one's bidding on and that you like you think it's the holy grail and you're like, oh my god, I found this secret keyword. I'm going to start slamming some cash into it. Yes, chances are. Other people have tried it. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> or you've gone back to 2005 in a time machine, maybe. Absolutely. I wish. <laughs> okay, well, moving on to the, this or that round. So that's the quick response round. So it's 10 quick questions, uh, but just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So ready to go? Okay. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Ooh, paid search. (laughs) (laughs) Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? I think local marketing's got the most fun in it. Yay! That was too easy. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's all right. I can get through that. (laughs) Um, You said social subscriber over email subscriber. That was quite interesting, actually, because I reckon about 90% of people say email subscriber. What what made you select social over, over email there? Do you know what? This is a, another really kind of interesting thing that's happened. It's just that I don't think I've ever been converted into a sale from email personally. This wow. is from me. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've never bought a product from email. I've always um, been more active where with the social media side of things. If someone I follow posts something about a product or gives me a great review, I'm in a very much kind of more likely to interact with it and buy. So from my standpoint, like I'd much rather get involved with someone on that level I just haven't, like, this is just me personally. Mm. I don't know if it's, I just don't like email because mine's probably out of control at this point. Um, but that's just how I like to interact with it. I feel like it's it's much more real. So what about if someone actually talks about a product on email and then you go away and research it and, and, and find reviews socially and ask people about it, about it then? Have you done that before? Or does it just turn you off completely if you if someone tries to sell you something over email? So just to be, um, I probably actually just thinking about it, this is where the stem of this pain comes from. <laughs> um, in my early days, I used to spend quite a bit of time on something called the Warrior Forum, yeah, which is notorious. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know it. These, how could you? Oh, if you haven't, it's worth a bit of fun. It's certainly um, an entertaining place on the internet. Um, but I think that really kind of destroyed um, any type of high factor or what I believed about internet marketing at that point. Because if you bought something from there, which I did. It was brutal. Like you used to, inbox would get absolutely caned. So I think there's a bit of a scarring going on from there. <laughs> I feel like you're sitting on the sofa here and you need to actually vent here and actually. Uh, it's good. It. We're getting past this. We're doing it. We're getting past this as a team. Hopefully I'll recover one day. <laughs> absolutely. I'll, 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 talk, I'll interview you again in a year's time and then uh, see what your, your feeling about email is then. <laughs> I have an email marketing company by then. <laughs> Well, moving on to the $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? 
Great question. So how would I measure success? I'll start there would be the in versus out. So whatever we do, I have to be able to look at, you know, what type of money I took out from spending this 10 grand. I would have to say for, for what I do right now, the, probably the most lucrative area to spend money would be Facebook ads. So this would be, um, I would probably put up a landing page and then spend that whole 10 grand just on pay-per-click traffic. Right. Okay. So a landing page on your own domain, obviously. Yes, definitely. So we actually use something called Unbounce, which is a, a great um, kind of editor for putting up landing pages fairly cheap and quickly. Hmm. You can get an awesome, awesome landing page for you know five hundred bucks made by a professional, um, and then I would be spending that remaining nine five um, on just sending traffic there to hopefully generate a whole heap of leads. That's no, that, that that's a good tip as well because um, a lot of businesses will maybe actually try to uh, design their own landing pages and really there are companies out there who have spent years testing landing pages just to get the the optimum design the optimum conversion rate so if if you ride on other people's success and just um use landing pages that have been thoroughly tested by others then surely that's going to get you better conversion rates absolutely and that's like a really great point and this you know comes back to what i said at the start about specialists and like, I'll, even I'm guilty of this, like I did make my own landing pages in the early days and things like that. And then I've come to realize that like experience is worth a lot. Like someone who's made, you know, a thousand landing pages and has tested those type of things, their insight, like even they won't be able to tell me just naturally what they've developed from doing it is going to be far better and far quicker than what I'll be able to do. So I'd rather kind of leverage off, you know, the 10,000 hours they've spent in that space and kind of take advantage of it for me. My number one takeaway. Well, George, you've offered a lot of um, wonderful advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? Could you actually distill all the advice that you've offered just to, to, to one takeaway for our listeners just to take away and implement into their own businesses? The one takeaway, and I'm, I'm a test that most business owners will be able to relate to this, is that if you're going to go into an area or you're going to start your business, like commit and do the grunt work. Like, there's plenty of people that we kind of perceive as an overnight success, but there is no kind of shortcut, like, you know, learn your skill and become a master. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice and uh, getting up so early in the morning in uh, Melbourne for us. No, no problem at all, David. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, what's the best way for audience to find out more about you and what you do? Yep. So um, the website, pbcempire.com is the site from there. Um, alternatively, you can hunt me down on Facebook. I'm pretty friendly. So if someone wants to you know, talk about PVC, I'll be more than happy to opt in for that conversation. Great. Okay. Well, um, go and have a conversation with Charles, everyone. So um, anyway, um, thanks again, Charles. Great to have you here. No worries. Great. Okay. And we'll see you all next time on. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.